Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. I'm super glad you're here and listening along. Hey, we're trying to build community through podcasts. So if this episode or a previous episode is something that you really enjoyed, please share it with someone you love. Today on our podcast, we're talking about parousia paralysis, covering 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And I got the chance to sit down in the studio with a couple good friends of mine and fellow ministry leaders, and I'd like to introduce to you to them right now. I am Candace McCormick. I am born and raised Keenite. I have spent pretty much my entire life in Keen and in this church. Um, so it seems pretty full circle to now be a part of the lead team. Um, I'm a teacher and I'm happy to be here. My name is Samuel Siolonga and I'm originally from Hawaii. Now living in the uh, state of Texas. I came here for school, studied theology, and uh, attained my undergraduate degree in theology this past year. And now I am part of the lead team here at Elevate. So now you know them, you know our topic. Without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. I had a hard time connecting the the second coming to loving each other because those are all like two separate sermons. You know, when you hear those messages, they don't aren't generally together. Mm-hmm. So like to relate them to each other was uh, like the whole time I was like, okay, well, how do we put that together with the other idea? Yeah. Um, and so that was a very different approach for me because okay. I never tied them together. Yeah. I mean, I've realized that they can be, but <laughs> they just seem like very separate things. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah, true. And, um, you know, the message um, was a reminder in a, in a ways, uh, you know, and the part I liked was the uh, mind your own business, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the part that I took from, from the message, man. Yeah. And it's uh, it's true. You know, these days everybody's about everybody else's business. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul and, um, you know, your, through your sermon on Sabbath, it reminded us the need to really mind your business. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't dwell on that one too long because I was like very straightforward. It just says like, mind your own business. Like, okay, just stick to my, stay to my lane, right? right. <laughs> So let's dwell on, uh, I like Candace how you pointed that out. I didn't, um, as I'm, as I'm going through first Thessalonians, it kind of, it's an eye opener to me because everything for Paul, Silas and Timothy is connected back to the second coming. Right. Mm -hmm. And like you say, specifically within seventh day Adventism, second coming of Jesus is this, um, and sometimes a doom and gloom, a judgment, fierce fire type of thing. Um, so I want to unpack that a little bit more. What, what has y'all's experience been with messages preached around um, that topic? Or maybe you've had conversations with friends or family and kind of their per- perspectives on that. I feel like it always falls on the spectrum ooh, of either like the the doom and gloom, like it's this scary and all of these terrible things are going to happen. And, and like people focus on those, like what are the signs? What are the prophecies? What are the, and it always goes to that. Or it's the, you know, we're so excited and we're so happy in Jesus. And it's like, one of the two extremes, mm-hmm. like every sermon. And it's not like, how do those things go together? Because if we're talking about the same time, like both of those things have to happen. Like there, it's going to be awful and terrible, but so exciting. Like yeah, yeah. how do those two extremes go together? Because sermon wise and experience wise and in conversations, when you're talking with people, the focus is like one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so to think, well, we're talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. So how is it both? Mm-hmm. So that's always... That's always been my experience. Mm-hmm. And along with, um, you know, um, 
what Candace is saying is that I had the same experience, you know, and there's two spectrums to it. And, but more so has been through the uh, doom and gloom, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's, uh, and sometimes it it has been uh, preached to the perspective of survival of the fittest. You know, there's this whole, there's a time of trouble. There's these things that are going to happen. And if you survive, you know, you, uh, you make it to that day. And so that's, that's kind of the, uh, the picture sometimes of the second coming or the, the uh, sermons that have been preached in the past that, that I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel is the, like the best way to combat that or what's, what's been given this message, like what's shifted in your mind that you feel like perhaps there, our church needs to talk more about or, or lean into? Yeah, I like, you know, the, uh, in the verse itself, uh, it talks about the church already having the concept of love. And I think Paul sets the foundation or uh, sets the very basic understanding of what the Christian life is, and it's based on love. And I think it's, um, despite, you know, maybe we won't experience certain things or certain troubles or whatnot, but the basic or getting down to the foundation of it all is uh, do we love our fellow man? Mm-hmm. And uh, getting back to basics, you know, it's it's uh, us asking the question, um, if we are ready for the second coming, not based off if we survive certain things or if we overcome certain things in our lives. It's about do we have that love for man mm-hmm. like Christ has for us? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just um, basically uh, – what I got from the from the verse is uh, if we don't have the love for our fellow man or if we can't get along with our fellow church member, you know, then we yeah. really got to ask ourselves, are we ready? Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. I liked when you were talking about a quiet life mm-hmm. um, because especially when talking about like end of times and things like that, you're like, we, we got to go out and share the message. And there's like always certain ways that you have to do that. Like you should be preaching on the corners or you should be knocking <laughs> on doors and handing things out. Mm. And um, yeah. all of those have always been just like very against my personality, like <laughs> me as a person. And it's like, yeah. I want to do what I'm supposed to do, but is it always like, does it have to be the loud and the, yeah. you know, the preaching and then yeah. like, and so it's, finding a role that also like fits for you. Mm-hmm. And so like mm-hmm. the idea of a quiet life of living your life in such a way that it's still um, leading others to Christ or living yeah. your life in such a way that um, you show that love without necessarily having to preach the love is mm-hmm. just like yeah. living it. Um, so I like that the, the quiet life. Yeah. That was a nice part to me. Yeah. Cause we can know in our, in our heads, like a head knowledge of like, oh yeah, the, the seventh day is Saturday and um, I should probably uh, eat this particular type of food or, um, oh, I can't go to, to movies or go swimming on Sabbath or um, <laughs> whatever. But I think what's so much more compelling is, like you say, living out that that lifestyle throughout the week and making it attractive to others and like you don't have to convince someone like if the product is good you don't have to spend a whole lot of time convincing other people that it's good Mm. right you make it so that's like word of mouth marketing right you this product transform will transform your life um and you don't have to put a whole bunch of money into that um and perhaps the the church itself it tries to make 
evangelism more part of the culture and you know the easy thing is like oh let's print up a bunch of things and go knock on doors and that's kind of like easy low-hanging fruit for the organization to do mm-hmm. um, and it's easier to track like oh we had 50 people show up and we hit 250 doors on a saturday afternoon <laughs> uh you know it, it's a little harder to track the oh wow we had a church member who is um, working in a in a workplace and because of their connection with somebody else someone came to know jesus and and you know maybe it didn't result in a baptism yet but we're still we're working and that's very hard to to put our fingers on and, and to touch from like an organizational standpoint yeah that's so true and then i think it goes back to understanding the need to be yourself in christ mm-hmm. and sometimes you know um we, we use this phrase yesterday when we were talking, right? Cookie cutter, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, the uh, the church puts this cookie cutter way of going about evangelism, yeah, right? about yeah, like yeah. witnessing. Yeah. And, you know, if you're if you're extrovert, you know, that's great. You know, yeah, you yeah. can do that kind of stuff. Well, what if you're another, what if you're an introvert? Then what? Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, it's just about being yourself in, in Christ and understanding that everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a role to play in getting the gospel out. And, Bottom line, living a quiet life, like what Candace and Michael were saying earlier, is the lifestyle, you know. Yeah. And it's not so much the uh, words that we profess, but it's the lives that we live, you know. What do they shout? What do they tell others, you know? Yeah. And then Paul goes on, uh, particularly along the, that idea of love, and he doesn't say, okay, love, and then make sure you X, Y, Z. You know, he lists the three mm-hmm. things, but he says love even more. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're doing love well, but then there's space for us to love even more. And tying that in with um, kind of identity and and Candice, you mentioned the uh, like well, my personality is not to be the loud and going out and whatever, but to do what God has called you to do, your identity in Christ, and to do that even more. Mm-hmm. And I like how like not cookie cutter love is. Like mm-hmm. people show love differently, mm-hmm. and so people doing it in different ways is going to reach different people. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the workplace or things like that, it's even just like someone felt loved, not even that they recognize that, oh, I'm I'm feeling Jesus, you mm-hmm. know? You know mm-hmm. how like at summer camp, it's like, who is Jesus to you? And that's kind of how like we talk about it in, yeah, yeah. in those settings. Mm-hmm. But like in the world, it's like people aren't like, oh, that person was Jesus to me, but it's, oh, that person was, you know, whatever they needed at that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a really cool thing too. And that again, like doesn't track, yeah. like you're not going to know, like that person made me feel loved today. That person made me feel appreciated today in whatever way that particular person needed it or mm-hmm. receives it. Mm-hmm. It's like love looks different for different yeah, yeah. people, the way that it's shown, the way that it's received. Um, yeah. And so I like that. It's like, it's not love a certain way. Paul doesn't say like, do this, this, and this, this is how you love your neighbor, but just love your neighbor like mm-hmm. whatever that means mm-hmm. but it's still love yeah and that goes into mention what you mentioned in the beginning so we were like mind your business <laughs> <laughs> yeah right because love can be shown in a, a multitude of different a crazy amount of ways and just because somebody's love looks different than yours it doesn't mean that it's not love. Yeah, like let's you know make sure that we're not taking advantage of other people. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a difference between love and lust, and a difference between um, love and malicious manipulation, and, mm-hmm. and some of those other things. But true love comes in all shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. um, even even the healthy stuff. And so I shouldn't be judgmental to someone who might be loving someone in a different way than I am if it's truly love. True. I think you know with, with the statement that Paul makes there, love more and more, or increase in our love more and more. Mm-hmm. So it got me thinking, you know, be, before 
I really read deeply into the verse and heard your message. I was like, man, um, I thought love had a, you know, had a, there's a measurement where you reach this certain kind of love and you, you know, mm-hmm. your love has arrived, you know, mm, yeah, but yeah. here Paul is saying increase in, in love more and more. Yeah. So in other words, there's really no measurement to your love, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like God's, you know, the, the song, right? God's love is so big and so wide, you yeah. know, we can't measure it. So, you know, how is our love for a fellow man? Yeah. You know? And so it, it shouldn't, we shouldn't settle in, in our love for others, right? It should yeah. increase more and more. Yeah. And what's fresh in my mind, um, Melissa and I are about to celebrate um, five years, our five-year wedding anniversary. Hey, congratulations. Um, it's coming Saturday. Yes. Hey. July 3. And um, it to me, you know, we professed our love for one another on our on our wedding date five years ago. And I look back and I'm like, we're just kids. Like, I have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. And I love her so much more now mm. than I did when we first started. Mm. And to think about, you know, my, my dad tells me all the time, like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like, it just keeps getting more and more and more. And then you apply that that concept to to knowing God and to loving our neighbor. And to think about what makes eternity attractive is that there's not this, like, level that we attain. And now we've we've reached the 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 top boss in the video game and we're going to we're going to take them down. Like, OK, we arrived. There's <laughs> there's more levels. There's mm-hmm. more. There's more. Uh, I think of the. Uh, the end of, I think it's the last battle in uh, C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia. And they finally defeat the enemy and they do everything else. And then Reepicheep the mouse is like going into the city and they're like, all right, let's go. We're, we finally reached it. We've reached Aslan City. I don't remember what it's called. And they get in the gates and they see inside the city is another city on top of a hill. And Reepicheep the mouse is further up, further in. And they get inside that city gate and they look inside of that city and there's a city on top of a hill and they say further up, further in. And it's just kind of this, the book ends with them just continuing to travel through these consecutive cities that seem to just kind of grow and mushroom out. Mm. And I think that to me has been the most impactful vision of eternity and how our love can abound more and more and how our knowledge of God can abound more more and more and uh, how we navigate the world. So is it safe to say that our love increases more and more through our experience with others? So like uh, what Michael was saying, right? It's your fifth anniversary and you love Mel so much more today on your um, instead of five years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I love it so much mm-hmm. more. And, um, you know, with that, I think, uh, yeah, love increases more and more that we experience life with others. Mm-hmm. And that's our need for community and our need, our need to, you know, be with others as well and, you know, just to... Um, live life with them and stuff. I was trying to think of what would it, and and within my world, so like within the church and things like that, like what does it look like if this was applied? Mm. You know, like if, if it was really, because I mean in a sinful world, it's hard to imagine, but what would it look like if everyone was really trying to love more? Mm. And how would that change our interactions how would that change what church looked like Mm. what you know you did at work like how how would that be different And I think it puts us in a vulnerable place, right? Because yeah. then we we start to look at how we treat others. And, you know, somebody interrupts my day with X, Y, or Z. And it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, how do I how do I react to that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, to tell the story, we had a, 
um, our lead team got together. You guys, we got together on, on Sunday and I was talking to the person who catered our meal for us. And they said that they, um, they got something mixed up on their schedule and they showed up a day early for our event with our food. Mm. And they walked into the venue where we were going to have our event. And there was like 200 people in the room and somebody looked at them and said, um, this is a private event. And they're like, Oh, sorry. And then they're like, you have to have the special t-shirt to get in. What are you doing here? And just wow. kind of this very rude interaction with the person. And the person had already had a bad day because they couldn't get a hold of me because I was busy with other stuff. And uh, it, it, just because of the, the miscommunication on the dates and everything. And that illustrated to me, you know, how, how do I approach other people when they come into my space in a, in, in, in an unexpected way? And how do, how do I approach that? What does it look like to, to treat that person with love? Mm. Because it, you know, it would, I don't think it would have taken any more time to say, I, can I help you find like the group that you're looking for right. instead of this kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you said like, like vulnerable, mm-hmm. it takes vulnerability because there's almost like a, a protection thing of when I'm going to go out of my way to like treat someone with love, but I'm not sure of their intentions. Like, I don't want to be taken advantage of, uh, yeah. I don't want to be like, I don't, I don't want to be a pushover. I don't want to do that. So it's like people have these walls of, well, I'm going to hold back on my love because I don't know how much you're going to give or like what you're going to do. So I'm not going to go more until I don't know how much you're going to do. Um, and so there's like a level of, well, I got to love anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's really hard Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) to love regardless of if you get it back or what you get back. Right. And that's the greatest challenge in, you know, in, practicing love towards others, right? It's um, you showing love and they're not showing love back. And, you know, um, what's what's the Greek word for that? Philos, am I correct? That uh, love? Yeah, philos, yeah, is the brotherly love. Brotherly yeah. love where yeah. you know, you're going to love, expecting something back, love back. But I think on a higher level, the love that God has, right? Agape. Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to love no matter what. You know, I'm going to love, you know, even if I might, get rejection or, yeah. you know, get um, uh, spoken against or whatnot. And so I think, you know, to arrive or to get to that place in our lives where our love increases more and more to agape, where, you know, we are vulnerable, you know, to yeah. event, or maybe have a situation where they might not, not love us back. And yeah. so I think that's, you know, experiencing people as well, you know. Um, my greatest fear, you know, in studying for the ministry was how do I react to people who are rude, Mm-hmm. people who um, may not be on the same um, mindset as me or yeah. who, who might speak even against me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's just going back to, you know, increasing love more and more. Yeah. I remember in the the heat of the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer of 2020, I came across a news article. Um, I don't remember the city that it was in, but there was a, a Black Lives Matter protest and then anti protesters like or mm-hmm. counter protesters that had gathered and they started clashing and um it turned violent and in the middle of the melee one of the counter protesters got injured and there was one of the black lives matter leaders that tried to split everybody up and said no no, no we need to get this person help a counter protester doesn't have the same ideology doesn't have the same belief they're there on opposing sides mm-hmm. and he backed everybody away and there's this image of him picking him up in a fireman's carry mm. and carrying this person to where they could get help. And I think that illustration of you have two ideological differences, extremes on either side, they've not been showing love towards one another. Right, right. <laughs> but in the midst of that, to extend that love, um, you without, you know, like, 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 like y'all are saying, without 
the expectation that is going to come back. Yeah, you know, if you take away uh, everybody's ideologies, everybody's political um, stance, you take away uh, their, you know, uh, whatever religion they practice, you take that all away, we're all humans, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And on that basic level, we ought to treat each other, you know, with respect and love, you know, basically because, you know, we're humans and Christ died for everyone, right? Yeah. And I think that's why Paul gets down at the end of this section of verses. And he says, you're loving fellow believers well, but live the quiet life, mind your own business and work with your hands so that you'll gain the respect of those who don't believe. Mm. And I think that that we miss that within Christianity because we hold our, our peculiar beliefs and we got to believe this particular way. And the rest of the world's like, well, they're kind of weird. But if we if we lived upright lives with integrity and treating other people well, then we would gain respect. And I think then respect leads, leads to the opportunity and spaces for us to communicate our beliefs because we've lived our beliefs out in a healthy way towards others. Mm. I think when you were talking about like having to sell it, mm-hmm. it's like our our choices and our beliefs that like that shouldn't be what we're trying to sell. Mm. You know, like if our lives are it, that we live it in such a way that people are curious, not because yeah. of necessarily what we say or anything like that, but it's like that other people are drawn in because of who we are because of Christ. Mm-hmm. And again, even even if they don't know it's because of Christ, like mm-hmm. there is something there that we're not trying to I'm not I'm not berating you and, and trying to like, oh, hey, this is what I believe. This is right. why I do it like that that can come after the relationship is built yeah. after the love is already there yeah people are going to be more open people are going to listen more if that relationship is built if their interest is already there because because they've seen what kind of person you are mm-hmm. like that's where it's going to come it's not like i'm 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 not trying to sell jesus to you yeah like yeah, yeah. i i love jesus and i choose jesus and if that looks good, like, let's have a conversation, Yes, which is yeah. a completely different thing. And uh, I mean, it's hard to do again, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. but that's, yeah. I feel like yeah. that's the goal yeah. should be. Yeah. And I think, I think we get there by actually having a relationship with Jesus, mm-hmm. not just having head knowledge about who he is or what our particular denomination holds as beliefs, but having a relationship with Jesus because then you you follow the analogy of selling it I don't have to sell it if I'm living it and I don't have to try to live it if I'm actually living it (laughs) part of who I am yes yeah I I don't have to go around uh, at least I hope not like trying to convince people that Melissa and I are married Mm. like I I show that by how I act and do the best that I can and she does the same thing as well Uh, and if if we if we are sold out on the idea that we're in that we're in a relationship and we're committed to Jesus and that he is the one that's transformed our lives and that starts to bleed over into everything that we do and it becomes like riding a bike or walking and chewing bubble gum or something <laughs> <laughs> and it's true you know if uh, if I'm correct saying the same correct or the quote what we what we behold we become mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and you know if we you know behold Christ on a daily basis and, um, you know, and when we go out there and live life at work, at school, at home, and whatever the case may be, you know, it comes automatic. It's not something that we have to, you know, um, act out or something that we have to force out. Mm-hmm. It, just, it becomes natural, you know, in, in the way we live. And um, so, yeah, you know, going back to what Candace was saying, fostering those relationships are really 
really yeah. important. And um, yeah. in and in you know being a witness for Christ, it become it comes across a lot easier as well to have those conversations with somebody that you have a relation uh, relationship with, um, you know, versus somebody who you, you don't know at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's very important. Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. So talking about all the love, mm-hmm. but then how does that go to the second coming part? Because that's where the sermon starts, <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I got a little. Okay. Stuck. Okay. So even so, after the message, you're like, I, I still don't. You don't feel the connection. I mean, I can get there. I just okay. want to see where you were coming from, and okay. if I got to the right place. <laughs> that's a that's that's a fair question. I appreciate <laughs> that one. Um, so this, um, in all honesty, is um, I think a connection that can be made not from the immediate context of the passage, looking around it, because it takes a little bit longer to get down to the second coming in, in, in chapter four. Um, and it's you know all throughout chapter five. Uh, but if you're looking at the the theme of First Thessalonians, it, you, Paul keeps coming back, like Jesus is coming again. And I think instead of viewing the, the second coming as the, um, the graduation or the inauguration or some like, thing that we must attain towards it's more of i know jesus is coming back and i'm wanting other people around me to know about him and the way that i can tell other people about who he is is by living out the life in my own life of what he's called me to live and so um part of the reason i asked that question is how do you live a life of love in light of the the pending advent like we talked about at the beginning, it's often this kind of doom and gloom, like get your life together before Jesus comes around. And in a way, this is a get your life together before Jesus comes around, but it's not a get your life and I'm pointing it at you guys from me saying, you guys need to get your life together. The finger points back at me and says, oh, I need to be a reflection of who Jesus is so that other people can recognize him when he comes back. Okay, I like it. What was your, what was your (laughs) conclusion? How did, how did you get there? Kind of kind of in the same way, and it's just that getting your life together not just because Jesus is coming back, mm-hmm. because there's that idea too of like you got to be ready mm-hmm. so, so that when he comes, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. set and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're good, but it's like we have this life to live until then, mm-hmm. and it's we should be concerned about what that life looks like, not just so we're ready, but because that's what we've been called to do. Like we're called mm-hmm. to love, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. love so that we can go, you know, yeah, when he yeah. comes and we're yeah. on the right side of things, yeah, yeah. but loving because that's what our life should be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it kind of just tied into that and having hope that Jesus is coming. And I know that. And so I'm going to live in a way that shows that hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, if I might just add, of course. Um, I think in relation to the second advent, the second coming, you know, and there's heaven, right, to experience. And I think, um, you know, in relation to second coming again, it's um, we don't have to wait till then to experience heaven, but we can experience heaven today mm. in our own, uh, in yeah. our lives, in our world. Why wait for Jesus? To Why come wait back? for Jesus to come back? Right? <laughs> and basically, um, heaven in my own thinking was down to not a place, but it's the presence mm. of Jesus where mm-hmm. Christ is at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we can be in his presence even today. And uh, so I think, you know, for love to increase and for us to have to foster those relationships is uh, Paul reminding us that, or uh, reminding us today that we, 
don't have to wait to the second advent to experience such a joy, such a love, mm. or uh, to experience heaven itself. We can experience heaven even today. It's yeah. 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was talking about like, how would it look different? Yeah. And I think that that's it. You're like, you're right. It would be just a little glimpse of mm. what what we dream of, you know? It would be that experience of heaven mm -hmm. if we were living in such a way. And that, I think, ties into to Matthew's perspective on Jesus' ministry about Jesus was all about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God coming to be on this earth. And he laid out in the Sermon on the Mount the, the kingdom ethics, the, the way that we should, that we should live. Uh, and I think that that, to me, is the most compelling reason to rejoice in the second coming of Jesus is that it's possible for us to live that out here on this earth before he comes back. Yes. Cuz why would it why would it be why would it be advantageous for us to do that before he comes back? Right? If it, it oh it's all just going to be taken care of so I'm going to do whatever I can today. But that diminishes what God is going to do to this earth when Jesus comes back and all things are made new. Mm. That there's something that we can attain to even now in our in our sinful state, not by any of our power at all, but by the transformation of the Holy Spirit that the hope in Jesus' return compels me to be the second coming of Jesus in someone's life today. True. That's deep. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you wrestled with this conversation as much as we did. I loved how Candace pointed out that often the connection between the second coming of Jesus and loving our neighbor isn't as strong. And we've got to wrestle with that. We've got to find out what it looks like for our hope in Jesus' second coming to influence how we love and how we live. So I hope this is a blessing for you. We'd love to hear your comments or feedback. You can leave us a voice message through the link in the description or engage with us on social media. Until next time, we'll catch you on another episode of Elevate Retake.